Join the revolution. Fuck it. The fuck it button is the power button. Everyone has a fuck it button, but no two fuck it buttons are the same. Say no to fear, overthinking, shame and judgment. Life is short. Fuck it. This podcast explores when guests have, wish they had, would and could press their fuck it button. I'm Zoe Lem and this is the Fuck It Button. Rob Yates is an enthusiastic community member, a sustainable activist and a social injustice warrior. He's integrated supporting and helping others into his daily life. And from moving into Thanet in 2017, Rob has fought to improve the quality of life for his neighbours, equality for the community, justice for all residents, and has challenged himself to solve life problems for all that live in Margate and the surrounding areas. From local councillor to acting mayor, from co-founding charities to fighting for renewable energy, Rob Yates has truly become the poster boy for clean, ethical and sustainable living. As an all-round team player, Rob has not been shy to get his hands dirty and fight the good fight. Whether beach cleaning with Rise and Clean or sporting heels and sequins for Margate Pride, Rob Yates is surely Margate's man of the people, the Thanet Fixer. Or is he? <laughs> Welcome, Rob. <laughs> Good afternoon, Zoe. And, uh, How did that what, sound? What an introduction. Uh, what an introduction. I, I, I think the only item I would probably slightly amend is deputy. I'm deputy mayor. Deputy I'm, mayor. Unfortunately, I'm I haven't sorry. got the full title just yet. Okay. Well, deputy mayor. Do you know what? It sounds impressive either way, either way to me. Someone emailed me saying uh, deputy <laughs> sounds lord Sounds like jewellery. Sounds like good jewellery either way. I... I, I I enjoy it, and uh, the outfit is amazing. <laughs> it is. It's like, it's very theatrical, isn't it? It's very kind of... Well, it, it does feel like you're sending, sending you back into time, even though we're long, in present day. Long red robes, white frilly bits, uh, a gold kind of medal, and a nice, uh, what can only be described as a kind of pirate hat. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like Margate. Yes, it, it, it almost right. sounds like the outfit of, of mares everywhere was designed to be habited in Margate, wherever, doesn't I feel it? It could, it could, it would fit right in into a panto, I feel. It would, yeah. it would. What would your role be in a panto? Um, that's a good question. Would you be Dane? I, well, I Actually, do get seen... Actually, Dame yeah. Jane has been on the podcast. We'd better not go there. I do like wearing red heels every now and do again, you? just for the Pride events. So. Do you? Well, I mean, the Pride, Pride in just to... I mean, we've had a few guests on, on the podcast here that are Margate because that's part, partly where I reside and have found um, many like-minded, fabulous creatives and, and interesting folk to chat to. Um, but... It's, it's, what brought you here, Rob? Um, so I came here for a job. Um, so in 2017, I was working in the wind industry and got a job offer to work for what was the largest offshore wind farm in the world, just north of Margate, but uh, maintained at Ramsgate port. So, uh, so I, you didn't choose Margate, it chose well, you. Interestingly, <laughs> there was a bit of choice. So Ramsgate, I looked around Ramsgate boards, there's Margate. And just as I was finishing up the day, I saw the, the sunsets in Margate 
and I said, right, I want to live in that tower block with great views with the sun setting over the sea. And I went to this little restaurant called Cheesy Tiger, which did amazing <laughs> cheese toasties and beautiful wine. And I was like, this Cheesy is where Tiger, I'm live plus my sunsets. Life. Yeah. That's great. And a tower block. I mean, for anyone that doesn't know Margate, Arlington House is the tower block that's just next to Dreamland, the theme park, and actually the location for Empire of Light movie. Um, so... On this podcast, obviously, we're going to explore your fuck it button moments. But I just want to start by finding out what makes you tick. Um, so I want to ask you, what brings you joy or happiness, Rob? Okay, um, so joy, as a child, I'll start there. Go back yeah. To the start. yeah, yeah, let's go. But, take me back, take me back. Um, I, and tell I, me where it was. This was Leeds, wasn't it? So this it? was Leeds. Leeds, so I grew up yeah. in uh, Round A in Leeds. Apparently... Uh, so Liz Truss, apparently, grew up in a very similar area. Ah. Um, uh, but, uh, I, don't, I actually don't know how to... I, I'm not sure I'm not what sure reaction actually was meant to come that, from that, actually. But, uh, there was, I, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that one there. Yeah, let's just leave it there. Leave it so, there. Um, yeah. I, I, basically, my parents would... Uh, they knew that I liked solving problems, solving puzzles, and I was just engrossed by jigsaws. It got to the point where I'd be given large, like, 3D wooden jigsaws of pigs, and I'd be oh, building um, these jigsaws. Um, and I'd always find a solution, often just by trial and error. You just yeah. keep going, keep going, keep going. Um, and then I got into video games. And and at school, I'd just do a lot of um, design and technology, so building things with my hands and um, building tables or lamps and copying designs and seeing what so the then, idea of is it the idea of there being a beginning and end to it like there's because with a problem obviously there's not always one solution is there i mean like there's often it's not like a mathematic equation that there's like only one answer and it's wrong or right there's different solutions based on i guess what you're setting out to achieve but also your interpretation i guess i think that's a good insight i do i do enjoy projects like defined starts um, yeah. clear ends and then you can evaluate it and say, actually, I've just spent six months building a table <laughs> and it looks terrible. <laughs> and I, I sat on it and it collapsed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or it's super strong and does exactly the purpose. But I guess the whole idea with a problem, and especially like you know, as we've sort of we've we've alluded to in your intro, working within the community and I guess as your role as a councillor and even within the sort of deputy mayor role. You're in a community of people that all have problems, don't they? I mean, everyone's got their own issue and to each person, their problem feels the biggest because it's the one that they're experiencing and, and has some level of impact on their life. So the solution isn't always to fix, is it? It's to sometimes to, I guess, to, pacify, to sometimes there, to, to, to listen to sometimes yeah. and show that you're you're there. So yeah. One thing that did bring me joy just before um, Christmas is I had a, um, a Facebook Messenger message yeah. from, from someone, me from, saying no, the podcast well, on. This <laughs> is also a delightful experience. <laughs> one that I haven't done before, but uh, no. I'm excited. Like, yeah. like the name of this podcast, it's very much like, let's go for it and yeah. see what happens. So I got this Facebook message from someone I didn't know sending me a picture of a, of a hole in the pavement. Okay. And they followed up by saying, um, uh, Rob, I know you. Just an A and E. I know you reported this <laughs> pothole, and they've tried to fix it, but they've done a bad job. Can yeah. you address it? So yeah. I said, yeah, of course. Uh, I'll I'll report. I'll 
get the council to come back and fix the pothole. And then they followed up by saying, oh, and by the way, thank you so much. You helped um, you helped my husband out with their universal credit uh, problem yeah. the last few months. And I genuinely, I, I don't know who these people are, mm. but they've contacted me and they've seen me out their windows at some point. They follow yeah. me on Facebook. Um, I had never met them, but they're saying, and they're really appreciative about something yeah. that I've done. And um, how does that make you feel? That that kind of makes um, politics worthwhile, to be honest. That for me is why yeah, I do helping it. Helping people. Yeah, because um, a lot if of the times, only all people in politics felt the same. I, I'm not going to judge other people, and um, I think you need politicians of all types. Uh, yeah. But for me, I just. I love. That's a very. That you're you're definitely ready to be. <laughs> that answer already is. A I just love. I just love actions. Getting yeah. something done, um, whether it's shouting at landlords. That sounds uh, who like a good are, strap line for yeah. a politician. <laughs> or just. Uh, or just kicking up a stink because you can't fix something, and yeah. getting something in the press, and making uh, the party who's behaved badly uh, account for themselves yeah. in writing. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's all you need to do. But uh... well, that's so obviously you know the roles that you have at the moment are are sort of within the sort of political sort of sphere at the moment. But really, it's it it sounds and also when you know here in your intro and and a lot of the work you do, you you sound like an activist. You know, it sounds like you're driven by a sense of purpose. As you say, obviously there's problem solving. And there's the side of the that side of the work that you do that has, as you say, that they're sort of fixing problem solving. But but when we talk about some of these bigger causes, and we talk about like the wind farm, we talk about sustainable energy, and we talk about sustainability, and a lot of the causes we've talked about, you know, ethical and equality, and it's it's a level of drive and activism, isn't there? That's in there somewhere. Is that yeah? Does it feel like that? I feel. I probably is a label you would use on yourself. I like to I like to create new labels, and okay. I'd probably say like political engineer. Um, okay. I'm not an engineer. Um, I did business at university, but the way the reason I say engineer is that sometimes uh, you do work. Um, yeah. So I've worked with the Conservatives and the Greens in the local council to make sure that we had a unanimously passed climate change emergency motion, ensuring we got a full time climate change officer. And it's not sometimes about saying. Um, activism sometimes for me as an individual just doesn't feel that that's always what's needed sometimes you make your point and then um, you find the solution and for me I guess the engineering side is just like okay that's let's say you want to achieve something great sometimes you've got to realize that okay we won't we won't get consensus for something great but we'll get something for something good and yeah. we'll do that through collaboration and and activism yeah definitely that's when you shout for something great but for, for for me i'm just like you've got to be you've got to have something in your back pocket because sometimes you don't want to risk it all um and not achieve anything but i guess the word activist comes from being active mm. and i guess you know it's like everything isn't it There's, there are certain people within certain areas of life that give things maybe not the reputation that everyone's intention is yeah. and i guess there's there's a lot of vacuous vacuous activism that is you say it's making a lot of noise 
it's intention. I mean, I, you know, if anyone listening wants to listen to the intro episode that I've done, that kind of gives an explainer about the fuck it button and and I guess my journey to the fuck it button. Um, but within it, in my big journey of understanding what the meaning of life is, I solved that problem. I didn't solve the problem. I identified the problem. Okay. Um, but but it all being about intention and whether it's politics, whether it's activism. You can be an activist, but really if you're doing it to create um, attention around yourself or it's something you want to be seen or show that you're aligning with, um, that's maybe not the right intention to get stuff done. And the same within politics. You know, you can have people in politics that are trying to do the same thing as someone else, but if their intentions are wrong, it's maybe less authentic and and maybe isn't actually focusing on the reason that they should or, or could be doing it. So I think same within retail, actually, really. But if your aim is to put the needs of the end user, the consumer first, and it is about solving the problem, someone needs something and you want to enhance their life or add value or then then that's you build this world and the and the, the good intention then it kind of goes you know comes back at you but whereas if you're doing it purely to make money then that's a different intention and i think same politics and activism i guess but if you're an activist but you're trying to actually achieve something rather than just make just do pr yeah if so... it's an activist with a result or driving towards a goal rather than just create awareness i think activism's almost become something that's like the pr version Rather than the results version, isn't it? It's yeah. Of... So, so you, I really like um, Stella Creasy MP, a, a Labour MP in London, and she's in opposition. She's managed to get um, abortion rights for women in Northern Ireland um, passed through legislation and agreed. Amazing. Um, and that's that for me just shows that um, that doesn't feel to me like activism. It is activism because you're you're fighting, but it's also working with the opposition, working with yeah. the parties. Um, and sometimes, like you say, people are shouting and saying this is unacceptable, knowing that the problem won't be fixed and not being realistic and saying... But also they're probably no. not actually got it in them to actually do what's needed to take it to the next level, maybe. They're just... They've not forward thought about what's what's next, maybe. I don't... And they're not the problem solver like you that's kind of palling out what, what the steps might be. And I suppose maybe that's... As you say, maybe it's redefining the idea of activism, or is it purpose-driven? Is it purpose goal-driven? I don't know. <laughs> it this doesn't is, need a label, a... but it's you know it's interesting because I think it's it's politics is a is a beast. It is and, a beast. Uh, it is a beast. My husband so you've got in it for a long time. It's you've got various people within like uh, we've got a labour group uh, locally, and we have strong debates. We had one about. Um, whether Labour politicians should go on GB News and discuss uh, and have our viewpoint uh, associated on the same channel as Nigel Farage. Um, and sometimes the intentions and the... And sometimes there's no clear answer, to be honest. Um, but what I what I focus on um, is is action. Like, yeah. the first Labour group meeting when after I got elected in 2019 feels like a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I just printed off loads of climate emergency declarations without speaking to the Labour group and just turned up to the meeting and said, right, guys, I think we should all sign this and get a photo. And, yeah. uh, you know, sometimes you just 
action. Yeah, you 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 go into the room, and if they say no, they say no, and or if they want to debate and discuss yeah. it, and we did discuss it, and everyone supported it, and great, uh, but yeah. Well, I think with that, I think that's a really good example. And also, I mean, I'm very action-focused and I, it drives me mad when people talk a lot about things but then actually never do anything about it. I'm kind of like, let's not waste the energy talking as much. Of course, you have to discuss and there's often, there's there's a lot of logistical reasons and, and political reasons why things ha can't just always be t jumping in with two feet. But I think... This is probably within politics where a lot of the bad rep comes in is that there are a lot of politicians that talk a lot, but then don't actually follow through with actions, isn't it? I mean, it's kind of becomes, and I say this and I'm not even talking about the world union. I've seen it over the years with, with the work that my husband's worked in and even myself, I've worked with, uh, even as a stylist, I used to dress a lot of the you know, women to women and I used to do quite a bit of dressing of <laughs> politics and worked within a lot of that. And I think it's, you do see, it, it's that whole idea and that a lot of hot air and that what makes a lot of people angry about politics is they feel like it's maybe not followed through or there's, it's, it's maybe inauthentic or um, because they know nothing's going to happen, don't they? I mean, that's the same for people in general in relationships. If people say they're going to do stuff and then don't, that it's expectations, isn't it? When people's expectations are, are smashed, then that's where trust and respect and all of those things follow on from, isn't it? Yeah, and um, so during the during the pandemic, I um, all the businesses were struggling and the councils, individual local councils across the country were asked to deal the business loans, business grants. Yeah. And um, it was a really uncertain time, a lot of anxiety, businesses forced to close, uh, not sure what was going on. Um, and uh, so what my approach to kind of set expectations was um, uh, use this, the council had this um, Facebook page, um, Thanet Business Support, and I just went on there and said, look, I, I don't know how much like support and advice I can give, but if you have problems with your grants, please just email me, yeah. um, and, I'm, I, and I'll try and assist. And uh, all I'd be doing in that time is just um, passing on their email, communicating them on batch to uh, the head of the civil service department that was dealing with it, yeah. and then just responding by saying, uh, we haven't forgotten about you, you're on the list, you'll be dealt with in three weeks. It, I wasn't adding... No anything on the ground but what I was doing was just communicating the process but you um, but also sometimes people just want to be heard oh, don't they? Yeah. I think that's like a massive as you said it before it's like just it's not always a big about big actions sometimes and this is just generally in life isn't it sometimes people just want to be heard or need to be heard to feel I get into trouble you know, with that because uh I'm like people will tell me they've had a really bad uh bad day and things like that and what I've learned is to say, do you want me to come up with a solution or do you just yeah. want to be heard? And quite often people just look, say, look, I, I even had a close friend who, who ranted at me for 20 minutes and then said, uh, do you want me to do anything? He's like, no, I just wanted to rant. And I was well, like, do you know what? I enough. think it's a really useful question. And I, I've, I've understood the benefit of that question, even with the relationships. Because there's also a male-female side to that as well. Because quite often... It's not everyone, but there is sort of scientifically a side of men are from Mars, women from Venus. That there's the fixing side, and the and actually, I mean, I have to sometimes say this to James Wells. I'm like, 
please don't try and do anything about this. I just want to talk. I just need to say this and vice versa, you know, but sometimes it's just, just listen. Yeah. Don't, don't fix it. Like I can fix it myself. I don't, but I just need to, I just need you to hear it. I've got friends that do exactly the same. I just message them and say, look, uh, can I have a quick rant? And they go, yeah, yeah, of course. How great though, to have that, that clear line of communication in general, like Mm. not just in in all, all situations. I would also say, even in, in work and business for people, if if people are feeling a certain way and they're able to find the vocabulary to say, had a shit day, I just need to say this and get off this off my chest, and then we'll all be good. Yeah. Rather than integrating that anger or angst into the general conversation and communication style, that then gets confusing because People think it's their fault when it's actually nothing to do with them. The issue that I'm having that day and feeling angry is not to do with you. But if I don't tell you that I've got an issue and I air it to you as a separate just rant, I then take it out on you and you feel like you've done something wrong. And that's really, it, it's it's a constant um, issue within relationships in general. But certainly when it comes to business and then obviously politics or well, business, Any world, business it can and have a politics impact. are often combined. So you have the kind of internal politics in a company. Yeah. People don't talk about their salaries. And yeah. I, I don't understand why. So there's no rule against sharing it in, in the company I work for. Transparency generally is a good thing. Yeah. It? So I, I tell people and if they're interested. and uh, But when, when you get situations where people haven't had a, a positive pay review bonus or things like that, then um, this. You want them to be honest in the meeting, say, look, I've just had some bad news on this. Yeah. Um, but there's this kind of barrier, especially probably in uh, um, probably in British life more than other countries, yeah. potentially. Yeah. Um, I think Fran- yeah, in, less, in, in less. France, where they go striking a lot often, they're probably uh, uh, but also a more vocal it, on that. But, but even within, for example, France, because we said mentioning it, as a creative and a freelancer in a country, for example, like France, it's there's quite clear rule, like within... They have a certain length of lunch, like as mm. far as, you know, union rates, you know, the set lunch rate that they don't do this. They don't, they're only, it's much more biased towards the worker than the employee, which is not always the case here. And I guess that's sometimes where they might, I'm not saying that's always the case, but it is different in all countries. But I think there's so much underlying, whether it's our British prudishness or kind of, I think there's some Stiff of it's... up a lip or what? I, I don't know. I think there's a kind of... So I think what I struggle with sometimes is people see me as kind of, oh, Rob, he's getting into conflict again. He's challenging this. He's challenging that. He's challenging HR in front of everyone in a team meeting. Um, but uh, I don't see that as a negative. But I some, I sometimes I think people in business in the UK, they don't like that conflict because it feels like there's emotion involved. But sometimes there is emotion no. involved. Yeah. Um, and um, what you what you need to kind of get across in those moments is, um, yes, I know in an ideal world, this business, um, we would all, well, in the capitalist world, you would all just obey uh, the great decisions that every uh, manager makes. But sometimes they do need calling out um, and... Yeah, that might lead to awkwardness, and people don't like awkward moments in big meetings. But um, if something needs to be said, I, I think just go yeah, for it. No, I'm, and I'm the more all... people that do it, the more managers will be called out on bad decisions. And uh, um, so, 
I thought I know yeah. I agree. I'm definitely like you that I mean even down to like in restaurants and stuff. It's don't be a dick. You don't have to say things. Oh my kids go mad. Like if you're out somewhere and I'm like that's not what I asked for. But yeah. like if you're an arsehole about it and you're like oh this is shit but if it's like if you understand but just say think you shouldn't accept things if they're not right or it's not what's on the tin or you know you shouldn't accept things but you equally don't need to be a dick about how yeah. you do it so i do think then that whole considered approach to communication the problem solving and the understanding which you know i feel sort of aligned with you on that whole style of communication it's constructive criticism or it's helpful to grow or whatever else so maybe i'm going to just jump in here and ask you because i don't know whether this might fit within this what we're saying we talked about what makes brings you joy what stresses you out or brings anxiety so um that's a good question i think life's um there's a lot to fight for there's yeah. a lot to uh to be done yeah um whenever uh, kind of what what drives me in a way is the fact that i i think each of us is hugely powerful and for me empowerment and feeling like you can create change is what i would love um in our school system for example yeah. so as someone who feels like actually i think i could create change create power create um, powerful movements um, that, that change the world um sometimes uh you sometimes things don't go the way um the way you want and life just keeps going and oh, work <laughs> and uh things can get on top so for me sometimes that that sometimes i crash to yeah. be honest and i'll be like working hard and i'll be and i'll say to myself i'm i'm just gonna stay in bed today um, do, you, do you allow yourself that it's uh what does it take well, you you'd, to you'd allow have to, yourself you'd have to, to ask the managers of my company but sometimes uh i'm like I'm gonna come in late today. I need I need some uh, just a line and uh, and at the end of the day I'll um, whether consciously or unconsciously or this is probably more in the past that I just binge on some uh, Doritos uh, crisps uh, and uh, just be a bit unhealthy and I'd find comfort in food because uh, the, life's life's tough. Yeah. Uh, it's not easy. No. And things things happen which um, you don't expect and upset you and. Yeah, it, what what I try and do is just keep grinding forwards. And um, I had a close relationship with my like grandma, um, like a, like completely loved her growing up, and uh, she was like her compassion and love towards me. And she'd send me bars of chocolate with a postcard attached when I was at university. Um, it's such a clever uh, political tactic. Um, because once you've got chocolate, you feel so good, and that postcard is associated with that feeling of goodness, and I'd always write back to her. Um, and um, I think she's kind of instilled in me this drive to just keep going. Um, yeah. And uh, she... Was she a bit it, of a champion? She was a she, character. Was she, was she your... Yeah, was she so kind of like your behind-the-scenes She's my kind of... Bit, uh, kind of... What, what do you call it? In Star Wars, you'd have that... <laughs> apparition figure in the background yeah uh, and she i think was on, always on my shoulder Bit of uh, cheerleader, so kind of and, and she almost had like uh i'm not going to use the the f word but she had like an empowerment uh it uh, button herself where world war ii um uh kicked off 
And her dad said, right, you need to leave London, it's too dangerous. She was 18 years old. And she went, no, no, Dad, I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay out and help with the war effort. And uh, that was a huge moment for her. And uh, she helped um, nurse soldiers in London um, during the war and met, met my granddad there. So I think during those stressful and, and like anxiety moments, um, you need to have self-compassion. You need to be kind to yourself. Yeah. Um, and um, find your... Um, uh, apparition figure that will uh, yeah. that's that's gunning for you and saying go for it. Um, yeah. And keep so going. is she is she what when you have moments of stress or anxiety is do you draw from her as it do, is is she is sort of that thought of uh, yeah what, you know she's like the anchor um, that grounds grounds me yeah. uh, during those dark times and I'm sure a lot of uh, listeners here will, will have those dark times and, yeah uh, oh I think everyone does don't they I mean it's impossible to it does I mean I guess you know part of our kind of life journey and growth and whatever you do to keep moving forwards um, however well kind of versed you are to understanding your own behaviour being challenges you know, it's unavoidable to have those moments. I guess what changes through life is how you deal with them and how you understand them and, and how how they serve you. I mean, I guess I, I really believe, I think the thing that's massively shifted, and maybe it was always there, but certainly awareness for me has been this idea that every single thing that happens in every minute, bad or good, is as it's meant to be. And... And, you know, when we're thrown things, there's something you're meant to learn or there's something else that's meant to come or that knowledge and acceptance that in every minute it's just exactly as it's meant to be. You know, people spend a lot of time and energy thinking, what if, maybe could, da, da, da. It's like, it is what it is. I've even got the tattoo now. It is what it is. And I think if we spend less time thinking about the would have, could have, should haves and more being present in the moment, but then I suppose with your fixer problem-solving brain, thinking, well, then how do you use this? How do you... I guess with the sort of fixer problem-solving, you've either got an assigned issue problem from a, through work or from a community member within that side of things. It's like, right, this is the thing, that's what needs to happen, or that's the kind of goal, yep. or this is what I need, and you kind of work to that. But I guess in life in general, it's... Not like you're like, right, that's the thing. Now you move forwards. You kind of, things are thrown at us on a day-to-day -day basis, aren't they? And it's less, it's not as sort of conscious projects always. We kind of just have to roll with it. And it's those daily tools that, that can often be harder for the small things. Big problems, it's like, that's a problem. Yeah. Whether you use Google to help you find out for things, solutions and people and uh, around you, but... The day-to-day -day small things are often what then escalate into big things for people, aren't they? And it's kind of like that, then that, then that. And if you don't deal with that, then it becomes that. And then suddenly this really tiny things become this massive thing. Yeah, it's, and um, it's bloody harder to and, and you, navigate. You, you get to know what those are by, uh, by just chatting to people. So um, uh, a colleague of mine was talking about, right, I've had a water outage. Um, and I was like, okay, so um, is this common? And they're like, 
oh yeah uh, and I'm like okay and a week later she said to me um, came to me with a list of um, how many times it's happened and there was something around um, yeah about 12 times in three years they've had the water outage so you think okay that's that's the problem but the actual impact of that means that um, people have to go collect their kids from schools because some of the schools are being shut because there's no water yeah and then okay what about people um, who have Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and who are told, right, you need to go uh, to this um, drop-off point to go collect bottles of water. Well, that's not reasonable. That's not fair. No. Um, and more, what seems like, okay, it's a small issue. It's resolved within mm. six hours. Um, and sometimes it do, it's like the number of days, actually. But it's the knock-on impact of that, that thing can actually have a huge, yeah. wide-ranging um, situation. So, um, yeah, the... I find it from the going back to like problem solving. Yeah. Um, what I find really interesting is just keeping my ears open and just saying, "Okay, is there anything else?" And then you find out, "Okay, this is." When you wish I had not. Asked. Well, sometimes, but <laughs> I just you find do, it interesting because you can do something about it. Yeah. Um, because I think with problem solving, we can go into like um, whether shame works as a form of political tactics because uh, I think that's quite a powerful one. But when you've got when you're not when you're not talking about right no you failed to provide water you're talking about um someone's parent being asked to go collect water when they're housebound and there's no way for them to do it and there's no support and kids yeah. being taken out of school um and you hear those stories those individual resident stories are a lot more powerful yeah. um than just the problem itself well it's on paper it's one thing isn't it i mean i you know, I kind of can sort of slightly connected to at Christmas, my parents were both ill and mum needed antibiotics on a bank holiday. So the only way to get it was to go to A&E, so to St Mary's. And uh, was it St Mary's? I was going to say about the hospital. The Queen... Um, QQM. Q, yeah. yeah. Went to the hospital, seven-hour wait in A&E, which on paper is a problem around staffing and within the hospital. The yeah. knock-on of that, some people, their issue is they have to wait seven hours. Okay, fine, that's one issue. But then when you get into it and you start talking to staff, the, the reality of that, and the, as you say, the escalation of that, is that we were told that if you came in on that day with a cardiac issue, you wouldn't be resuscitated. If you came in another day when there's less issue and staffing you would have lived now that's a life and death thing which on paper is a staffing it's a time thing people are hanging around and that's not great and people yeah. might get a bit iller but when you get down to it on that and like my dad had a few issues then after that and petrified because knowing being down here over christmas and that time and staffing issue in a hospital then could literally be a matter of life or death in a situation where it wouldn't be in other circumstances it's not because they're so ill yeah. it's because of them so it's like it's something like that it kind of turns all different directions doesn't it and it's one thing on paper becomes i think that know. for me that's why um the labor targets around nhs uh, a and e wait and like uh, waiting times to be seen within four hours um are so important and um the cancer um waiting list because you need to have consistency and you need to say, okay, that's an acceptable, it's not, it maybe not an ideal amount of time, but there is an amount of time where it's unacceptable. 
And the current uh, messages we're getting locally is, yeah, like you say, we can't find the staff. It, we're in a strange location in Thane where we find it hard to recruit. And you're like, I'm sorry, but um, you've got a job to maintain a consistent um, level according to your NHS targets, and you're not meeting them. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not, it's actually getting worse. Um, so, on that point, it's just, it's just clear that it's a lack of investment um, and a lack of w political will. Um, the UK pays a lot less than European yeah. equivalents on uh, their on health service, and ultimately, um, if you know what the the foundation is for what your service level is, um, you need to you need to find a way to meet that. And if that means in in some locations paying some doctors more uh, to attract that talent, then you do it. You don't yeah. just um, try and sit behind a level of bureaucracy and saying, actually, we've got foundation trust here. Yeah. Um, so does this, as a as someone working within this world, and we just talked about your sort of stress and anxieties, it's, if you're, do you, I mean, I guess maybe this is partly why in politics people do almost have to emotionally switch off completely because it's a lot, isn't it? It's a, it, like the idea of, you know, as a councillor or, you know, some septimet, it's a lot of people with a lot of problems. That's that's quite, I mean, I find it as a teacher, you know, you, you're responsible for those people's education. For you, you're responsible on some level. It's not, obviously, it's the buck doesn't lie with you, but you are that, that, that stop gap place for people to come to. It's it's a lot. How, how do you... How do you manage that then, sort of, with your own mental health, well, that's or a good question. you know? Um, so rather than take it all on board, because you can't, can you? It's 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 hard not to take stuff on board. Uh, there's a kind of uh, I think everyone gets it when there's emails in your uh, in tray that you flag and you're like, I need to respond to that. Um, and the more time goes by, the there's more like. Do you suffer? But do you there. suffer? Are you someone that suffers from anxiety in general, or or driven by the work you're in? Um, I don't think I suffer from anxiety. I think there's more just a sense uh, occasionally that wow, overwhelmed I've, maybe, I've overwhelmed, done too much. Yeah. Um, and I think burnout would burnout. probably be. Uh, well, you said that you seem to have a level of awareness of odd times that you know you need to go in late and and check yourself with your own health yeah. to ensure you can carry on doing it. and I think that's something that we're not all very good at um, and actually the more we are just really like attuned with our own bodies and mental health the more we can identify when we've got issues and kind of either reach out no just need a rant or whatever else that is isn't it um, I've, I'm gonna step in here and and ask you uh, Rob for your first or first memory of pressing your fuck it button, it's big or small? Yeah, so you, you asked me this prior to coming and I, I had to give it a bit of a think. And uh, I think the first one where I was like consciously like, oh, this is a bit of a moment. Yeah, or, uh, you, obviously we situation. don't all know that that's maybe what it is at the time. I mean, for sure, yeah. I've only just named the fuck it button, even though it's always been there. So, but that feeling of... The feeling of, like, having a big wall in front yeah. of you, and whether pressing, that's, like, societal like pressure yeah. or just awkwardness or... Yeah, need to make this, a change. This could, this could end badly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was Definitely on a... a chance. I was uh, in an airport and um, 
uh, there was a girl I liked, and she was stood next to her parents. Give us some kind of what age were uh, you at this stage? Was Fifteen. Fifteen. Fifteen-year-old okay. uh, Rob. Fifteen-year-old Rob, uh, <laughs> like uh, um, approached. Um, yeah, this. Uh, Should get an airport. Or this, someone you knew. This, this, this uh, someone, someone I knew, I knew, kind of well. Okay. Um, approached this girl for to ask her for a number in front of her parents. Okay. So, um, real kind of like. The parents have stood right next to her, but I know that if this, if you don't ask them, um, they are gone, uh, and that's the moment. So, uh, yeah, I think did that she was. Give it to you? Yeah, she gave she me. Did uh, give it to you? Actually, yeah, she she did. Yeah, um, I didn't actually ask for a number. I asked for an email, which is interesting. It's I don't know what that says about me, but uh, well, like, was, <laughs> I mean, do you know what it does say? You were a certain kind of age because for sure at fifteen you wouldn't have been asking for an email because they definitely didn't exist then. No. Um, but. So, I mean, in that moment, like adrenaline fueled, probably, and but you were conscious of this sliding doors moment that you either do that now, fuck it, or you have to deal with the idea of having not done it. And and you know, I, I say this it's, again; it's in the intro that we regret more moments that we don't take and more fuck it buttons we don't press than the ones we do. Yep. Because if it goes badly, you learn from it, don't you? And if she'd said no, you would have had a moment of building resilience around, you know, being told no is good, yep. I believe. I mean, the no's in my life have driven me to do what I do. So I guess that acceptance that if, even at that early stage, the idea, I guess, that it was that important that you were willing to take the risk of a slight ego bash and um and a, and a you know consequently maybe that not going any further yeah. that relationship and it's the failure is not failure is something you learn from like you say and yeah. uh, um i don't think it's something like a lot of the ceos and every uh and all these big companies that a lot of these organizations they've set up they're not their first no. they've failed before um but it's I think the word failure just seems so like all encompassing, but it's yeah. not. It's just a moment. It's like yeah. a momentary failure. It's not a uh, life failure. It's just no. Tried something, didn't work out. Um, yeah. Okay. What next? It's just a path change, isn't it? Though? Yeah. It's kind of, and I do think um, this is why you know even this whole podcast and this this topic is 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 a passion driver for me because I, I really think that that I the idea around. I mean, obviously, there's the fabulous podcast with Elizabeth Day, How to Fail. Um, I don't love the word because I do think, obviously, the whole point of that podcast is discussing learning from from failure. But I think even as someone that's actually been bankrupt as well, as a female, which it's not the done thing, it's, yep. also, it's not talked about. It's not cool like being Alan Sugar, oh, I've been bankrupt five times of this i'm not saying that's how many times he has but you know these big male entrepreneurs it's almost badges of honor as a female it's not it's it is deemed a failure or it certainly it was you know um so i think i talked after i was bankrupt it was over 10 years ago i remember being asked to talk at fuck up nights okay one of them like at places like london college of fashion and another an entrepreneur hub Come and talk at the fuck up night and, and about your learnings. Now, now I would really have an objection against the name because the idea yeah. you fucked up 
the fuck up versus fuck it and or fuck off yeah. or fuck it's it's fuck up is is you have made a mistake now not everyone that you know for example like the idea of bankruptcy now it wasn't i did something wrong there was a series of things around that um and it was a recession but fuck up is connected to the idea of failure which of course you learn from but that whole communication the language the vocabulary around that can be the difference between someone holding that forever in a negative way or finding the learning in it and i think it's taken me quite a long while um and certainly you know unpacking quite a bit of my past to one accept um i was always fine with it because <laughs> I mean, you know, I made a lot of money while I was a stylist. I knew I would always make more. I have that entrepreneurial spirit of like, it's just money. I've lost my brother. <laughs> Who gives a shit about a load of money anyway? Um, but I think that whole idea that we have around failure, around us making wrong choices is interesting. And it's, you know, because... It's, it's important to... To, in a way to make those mistakes as well um, sometimes yeah. or have that happen to yeah. you. Um, it's resilience as well, isn't it? During, like... during my university degree, we had to do a sandwich year, 12 months. I had yeah. no idea what I wanted to do, like yeah. zero idea. Yeah. Um, ended up in a market research company and given a low-level role, copying and pasting Excel spreadsheets about um, Procter & Gamble um, uh, feminine hygiene products in okay. uh, different countries. And... It was just numbers on a, on a spreadsheet. So I was playing Minesweeper all day. And after six months, I did do the work. Yeah. <laughs> I did the work quite quickly. But then I just uh, played Advanced Minesweeper. I uh, got quite good at that. Um, but after six months, I, my mind was just like, this is making me really unhappy. Yeah, um, you, were, you were aware of the impact on your mental health at that point. Yeah, I, it wasn't, I wasn't even aware about mental health. I was just like, no, this but like that is it was making... having an impact on you. I'm just, I can't do this physically. Like my yeah. body was almost struggling to get into the office. So I rang the university and I said, look, if you don't find something else, um, it might jeopardize your degree. And I just went, well, I've already quit. <laughs> yeah. And, so was uh, this, so is this another fuck it button moment? Yeah, I just, I just went, I can't do this. And the university, I always strongly recommend you, you don't do that decision. You should do, you should do a sandwich year for an entire year for a job you hate. Yeah. And I was like, you know what, I don't accept that. So uh, I just uh, quit and uh, contacted a load of friends saying, look, can you find me find me another job? And uh, luckily I did. But uh, it's it was a moment where I was just like, look, either I'm living my life for me or yeah. um, I'm living it for someone else. And um, I think that's a real yeah. fuck it button moment. I think that's a good... I think it's also a good example for people. I think there'll be a lot of people that can connect with the idea of staying in something even a relationship, you know, or a job or that doesn't serve them or certainly doesn't make them happy. Now, we, you know, a lot of people do jobs that they don't love, but they do it for the money or to look after their family. Or There is, of course, you know, not everyone has the privilege to do something they completely love on a day. But, but when it gets to the point that it is prohibitive as far as your day-to-day -day life and yeah. it 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 stops you it literally stops you living doesn't it it kind of that's that's another that's having having quit like uh having quit that job radically and i've uh, left another job without having anything i would say that i, I don't recommend that you do it without having another job in mind yeah because uh what 
what can happen is that you do you do leave a job and if there's a if there's a specific moment in the job and you're like I I want out now um you can find yourself and like right now we're 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 in a recession um yeah. it's looking like a global recession and uh, what you don't want to find yourself is out of work for a significant months months because that can also have a significant impact um so tr- but you it's, just need to be yeah i think the awareness of it and I suppose some level of understanding that you can make changes, but consciously yeah. and not recklessly or impulsively. Exactly. I think that it's it's almost like lots of tiny fuck it buttons in that instance. That it's kind of it might be that it's. I just don't want to encourage people no, to no, go out and quit not. jobs today. If they don't no, like... and I don't think that's really the point. But I do yeah. think that that it... idea of you know I, I, I said it in the intro. It's it, of. of intro episode it's like how long is is too long to stay in anything that makes you unhappy i mean there's not a time limit on that really is there what i think people need to know their own value and at certain points um at certain points like um you do need to say look i i don't deserve this i do deserve better and occasionally that that will will mean right you just have to make the decision that's best for you um and leave the job um I just uh, it's it's a challenging one for me because I've left an I've left another job after um, a conflict with uh, my I was managing um, I had three direct reports who were women and there we we had a discussion about maternity pay and it didn't go very well and uh, uh, that that ended up with me leaving the business because I was so unhappy about how uh, how, that was how I'd been treated as the manager right. uh, trying to uh, get additional rights for them and. Um, it, it's like I'm proud of the decision I made, yeah. But it led to quite a lot of difficulties. Me getting back into the job market. But uh, did those on reflection now? Obviously, yeah. because you're through that bit. You know, obviously, there's always I've, new challenges. I survived. Got a few scars. You've yeah. got the scars, but has the learning through that challenge then led to some of your resilience now? This is I think so. It's difficult yeah. in that it. It's difficult to be able to always handle that at the time, but there was clearly something you were meant to learn along that way. I suppose, I think one thing you you were just alluding to just then, talking about your own value. And I think having an understanding of your own value, your own boundaries, your own values is a really good starting point, isn't it? For anyone, even if you're in a job that you don't love or a situation that... Now, clearly, if there's wrongful behaviour, that's completely different and you have to make the decision that is right in that instance. But as far as something that's having an impact on your health, mental health, happiness, it's I guess it's like going back to what your values are, what you value, what your worth is. And and there's different ways to, you know, financially at the moment, it's very difficult. A lot of people are in very challenging situations, but... There are always different ways to look at things yeah. and to find solutions I, I, that are creative. And that's maybe. what I think that's what I've learned from this. And I'll sum it up as um, if you know your rights and know your options. So yeah. looking back at younger me, I would be like, OK, that's happened. And you've tried this approach and it hasn't been successful. It's made you very angry um, and you feel like it's unfair. However, um, I would look back and say, OK, but have you spoken to other people? Yeah, who are experts in that field and seen what the other options are. Because 
Um, often we think we know what the answer is. We go down a route and it, if it's not successful, we'll, we'll close that door and say, yeah. right, that's that. But often if you just talk with others, um, then there can be compromise and comes, kind of brings me back to saying, and when you know your um, uh, rights as a employee as well, and you know, okay, actually, um, uh, this isn't this is making me very stressed. I need some time off for dealing with that. And then you know, okay, actually, I'm entitled to stress leave yeah. in this situation. But then, does that come um, down to? Well, obviously, it comes down to education. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so much that's not taught in school, and and even university. And again, I. I'm a course director at university now and, and and teaching things in a very different way through a different mindset and, and doing a lot of personal development work as a priority because I believe that's important. But you see the gaps of quite often education is this is something you do and then after that at some point you go off and get a job rather than the integration of that knowledge. My daughter's doing science at the moment. She's only 12. Very stressed out because of the speed they're going through these subjects she's never done before. Yeah. And we've ended up just having to try and get her a tutor a little bit because she's in such a state at 12. She shouldn't be worried about a test at 12, but she is. And in speaking to this other person that's trying to help us with it, which I've just said, please just help her to contextualise this. Find yeah. some relevancy. She's really into beauty. Biology, she's just started a period, you know, chemistry for the beauty. Biology, she started periods and having to think about all that side of stuff make it relevant they don't teach it in a way that talks talks about life you know and, and they're learning all this stuff so i think in a similar way the more um we learn some of this life stuff through education because it's all very well as saying know your rights and whatever but but some people are like yeah but i'm just trying to feed the kids i can't even afford to buy bloody frozen waffles i need to make sure they get to school you know the the life struggles are just so basic that the idea of understanding my rights and job it's just not even within the 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 world of anything I can comprehend, let alone understand or be able to deal with. And so it, it's a really difficult challenge, oh, I completely isn't it? agree. It's... And um, what, I, what I like is when um, when you do get, um, when you see in the newspaper where, where men will disc discuss, for example, like um, the upset and pain caused by miscarriage and, yeah. and things where you see where you see things which are probably very rarely discussed, yeah. um, even in like family Unfortunately, units. Unfortunately, a lot of men's mental health isn't, is it? No. It's, you know, it's... Um, and I think openness and transparency is the key. So yeah. you almost need to get taught. Um, well, you, f fundamentally, you need the basics. You need to understand how to buy houses, mortgages. Yeah. You need to understand capitalism and, and how uh, you'll be treated as an employee and how in certain learn situations... So you can learn how to break the rules. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, if, and if, if you're very good at your job, you might think, oh, that means promotion. Or it means your manager wants to keep you there yeah. because uh, they, don't, they, they, don't, they don't have to do much work because they can yeah, just yeah. manage you. You're adding value to their daily yeah. life by and, <laughs> reducing... And, and you have to learn these things gradually and suddenly you realise, actually, in order to get my value and learn more in my uh, career, sometimes that means... Well, I need move well moving jobs as well, and yeah. uh, um, it's there's a huge amount of like life. There needs to be a, a better approach to education when it comes to yeah uh, how it is to be um, like even the steps you take uh, and the decisions you take about what courses and which way this 
could affect your career and what yeah. jobs that you want to go into and um, whether you even need to go to university or whether you want to yeah. do apprenticeships. Um, well, you, it's, you know, it, it does... It, it's, it, that is really important from the education system and it's also then pressure from parents sometimes. I've got these students that... I do one-to-ones, which are pretty much like therapy sessions, really, which I feel is important. But then you find out there's like a pu- the pushy parent scenario behind some of it. And they're feeling forced to do this, to impress, to do this, to do that. And it's like, again, it's the intention, though, isn't it? If you're doing that to please someone else, it's really never going to work out in a way that at some point something's going to give, isn't it? If your intentions around it are. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's about the empowerment of individuals to realise you know what, I've gone down this path, I've gone to this university degree. Um, my brother um, didn't do medicine at university, didn't really know what he wanted to do, um, uh, did a stint in the military and then came back and said, right, I'm going to be a doctor um, yeah. and change careers. A different route into it. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you've got to be willing to... There's different ways to... To find out what your, out, yeah. what your needs are and potentially just go... What I love to see is when... Uh, people in their 50s and 60s suddenly go study off a, go studying a degree and uh, they're full, like surrounded by 20 year olds and they're yeah. going you know what I want to learn this yeah, and I yeah. want to do I want to make mosaics or something and uh, yeah it's it's exciting well life to, is short fuck it yeah to have that confidence to go um, I've done this so far now I want to learn something else now I yeah. want to do something else um, as you say that it's the, seeing your life as chapters isn't it it's like I think when we kind of that idea that you kind of decide on something, commit to it. And I guess it's almost like for a lot of people with marriage, it's like, you know, just because something's set, it doesn't mean it can't change. The idea that you've got the the power to be able to evolve rather than just yeah. drive along a set path. You know, it's again, the whole conversation around the neurodivergence versus typical, you know, there's not one way. There's lots of different ways. I just want to ask you, Rob, um, I don't want to just ask you, you lots of things still we're gonna carry on um but you said you said about the moment with your job in university we talked about the girl are either though is there a big the big the really the big fuck it button moment you talked a bit before, well, before we started about some other life events that impacted your understanding of of i guess mortality and, and life but is is there a big fuck it button that like you would say it's kind of like had the biggest impact or feels the most relevant to sort of you know having the most impact on your life it's, it's a it's a personal one and it's not one I often discuss but for me kind of my values are that you should be open and honest and what I struggle with sometimes is actually talking about things that are like distressing yeah but um yeah, it was a few years ago, um, 2016, um, where I found out my 24-year-old cousin was um, was tragically murdered, um, and that, uh, yeah, thanks. It's it's, and it really threw me, and it showed me. Um, I guess it showed me that life, from from my mindset, with kind of the, my upbringing, I thought life had this kind of even though I didn't actively think it, I thought that life had a structured plan and this idea of fate meant that everyone was going to have a good life. Um, it just threw my kind of world world view out the window where I said, look, that 
that's such a tragic event um, that I re I kind of had to reframe how I thought. Yeah. Um, so it took me a kind of a long time to to develop my response to that, and I think my response to that was. Uh, it just made me do what I wanted to do even more um, because you know what, uh, life's short and uh, yeah, very much. <laughs> and uh, you just go and do uh, what, go and do what inspires you, what makes you happy, what have, gives you that flow state and makes you think, you know what, this is uh, something that I want to do that'll make me proud. And if that's, it doesn't have to be in your work, it can be uh, in your family life or your hobbies. And yeah. uh, I just think really that grasp hold of, yeah. of life and uh, go for it. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like a bit of loss, grief and trauma to drive that. I mean, as I said, my the whole start point for the, of the fuck it button for me was losing my brother when I was young when I was 40 he was eight when I was 14 and I think when you're faced with that whole it's literally you're faced with mortality aren't you yep. you're faced with that idea of what the fuck's it all about like what's you know you might as you say you had a certain trajectory and idea of where life was going maybe not sort of in stone but kind of an idea of the way things go and I think it's awful when people, especially in murder, it's it's horrendous. But I suppose, I guess, wrongly or rightly, my mentality around that now is very much, for whatever reason that happened, it's been sent to you and I'm sure a lot of people around um, the situation it's as a lesson and it has and it I'm sure has made a lot of people around question that and and drive and and the learnings from it is the, is the bit of their life not being in vain the idea that you and maybe others question your purpose and impact I guess is the very awful growth and learning that comes out of a horrendous situation yeah you said you said it earlier where you said um uh, this is nothing compared with a family member dying yeah um i think if you can and it's 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 really messed up but in a way it makes you stronger oh 100 percent. Um, it's like it's like the ultimate resilience for me it's been like Sometimes in my weird head, imagine myself like a character or a superhero going through life. And it's that it's that tool you've got that no one can actually take away. Yeah. Like a lot of things can change in life, but it's my one armour that no matter how much people strip off or life strips off, I can almost see it like this in a fantasy land of like, however much challenges are thrown, however much is stripped back, I've still got this like... It's not a get out of jail card, but it's like this superpower that is like stitched in that will never be taken away of like some level of resilience and an armor for life that yep. just means your perspective is a certain way. And it means really, that's why for me with bankruptcy or anything else, it's awful. Yeah. 
But it's never as bad as that. You've got a benchmark, which is awful that the benchmark's so deep and, and hurtful, but it does give you a resilience and a fight. And, um, and you can kind of break it into different emotions as well. So for me, it was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of my uh, grief was anger. Yep. And it drove me 100%. and pushed me. And I've slowly kind of, I think I've slowly turned that anger into... Uh, into resilience. Yeah, um, that's a really it's, it's a really hard thing to do and can be a very long process. And, for sure. and part of that resilience is just trying to um, um, have have the ability to talk about it sometimes because that yeah. that for me as well is a huge thing where, like I said, like men's mental health, yeah. being able to talk about these things is not easy. Mm-hmm. Um, when it first happened, I didn't tell anyone for no. uh, a few months, and people would say to me, "Well, have you told your girlfriend?" and uh, at the fu- just before the funeral, and I was said no. You had and, told. Uh, wow, that's. And, I think uh, that's pretty. Um, it, I just, and I think a lot of men do it. It's yeah. Stonewall. Yeah. And just go right. I'm shutting this down. Yeah. Um, and looking back. Do you think it's because it feels easier to to shut it and deal with it, or is it conditioning or a, a mixture of? Um, it's a good question. I think. Um, I just felt I had control of it. If I okay. didn't let it go, okay, because so it's sort of keeping it in a way that felt. If you don't, if you don't tell people, then um, their emotions, their reaction to you telling them, uh, won't impact you. Whereas, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say as as someone that had no choice because I was at school when it happened. One of the things, and, and part of the, I've been in communication with an old teacher of mine recently who was the one who was my form teacher when that all happened and you kind of have a memory and it was a long time ago I'm 47 but and I actually messaged her to thank her <laughs> for her teaching because she inspired me and I'm obviously now in that role yeah. which obviously she was pleased about and then talked about being there for me Lynn Stewart in case you're listening thank <laughs> you um but talked about sort of being there and having a slightly different approach at the time uh, of trying to create a safe space and being there. And my memory as as of the 14-year-old that, that happened to, everyone ignored me. I went back to school and no one spoke. No I, at that point, I'd started going out quite young. Yeah. And people don't speak to you, especially then, like th- over 30 years ago, it was even less yeah. something that we were given tools to understand how to communicate. So I got ignored. And I actually uh, it, it, it mentioned it in in writing the fuck about book and the intro episode it's like i've lost my brother but you're the one who's got the problem because you don't know how to deal with it so then i get another problem yeah. i suffer again so i'm now lonely yeah so that you feel okay because you've not been given the tools now again not your fault necessarily but we're not educated in how to deal with communication around any of these topics are we and that's yeah brings you know, perfectly back brutal. to education because dealing with grief, dealing with uh, got friends with parents who've got Alzheimer's, and yeah. these are th- these are topics that affect so many of us, and yet yeah. it's not discussed. It's and discussed. when it happens, people go, um, "What supports available?" and and it took me as a counsellor, I had to go research this because I've been asked that question, and uh, it's yeah, why, why isn't it more readily available, and why aren't these core life lessons taught to us because um when it does happen you, you should have that reassurance to know um this is likely to happen to you and 
these are the options available and no, no not knowing your rights but knowing um, well knowing how to have tools to deal with it i mean i remember yeah. when we were younger i can't remember who told us they were like buy goldfish for your children yeah. because they die quickly and they get used to this idea of things okay. dying. Yeah. Just even conceptually. Um, but I think it's it's bigger than even grief, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm talking with um, Rosie, actually, yeah. um, pole dancer, who had issues with bullying when she was at school. And the way that it was dealt with then was they gave her counselling to deal with being bullied rather than deal with the bullies. Yeah. So then you're told again that you're the problem. So the bullies are bullying you and then you're given counselling because it's your problem rather than dealing with the bullies. And it's the same with this. It's like when you're grief stricken or bankrupt or any of these issues, it's it's this idea of dealing with the problem rather than the roots, isn't it? And I think the idea with grief is, you know, it's mortality, yeah. it's loss, it's all these other emotions rather than just this end bit of you're this angry person and then we're going to deal with either depression or we're going to deal with anger management yeah. or we're going to deal with all those bits there rather than the bit before it. Um, and it's, it's the communication I, I still struggle with because looking back at myself then, I would I would want to communicate to my friends that, look, something bad's happened and I want to talk to you in a in a in a non banter way. Yeah. I want a way to an honest and an honest, like upfront Yeah. Just acknowledged I want to tell you something's bad happened. Yeah. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to listen. Yeah. So as we talked before, to, it's yeah. Um, it's talking about just listening sometimes is all that's being good at listening again is something more latterly I'm kind of it's a skill, isn't it? Yeah. People always think that the it it's learning to be good at communicating, but actually learning to be good at listening and understanding who it is you're listening to, which in your job is a massive part, isn't it? That whole idea of how do I need to listen based on who is the person? For you, I'm sure if it's someone that's struggling with their credit, someone that's struggling with um, bullying or abuse or this or that, it's like, who's the audience? What's yeah. my listening skill for this situation? We're not taught that. No, exactly. And... Uh... And there's different approaches, whether you're speaking to a chief executive of council or you're speaking yeah. to uh, an officer junior down who probably has the ability to say more creative things. Um, yeah. Yeah. For, I think what I enjoy as well is just listening to uh, um, what I find myself in. Mm. I, I end up in situations and talking to people I don't know and getting to know them. And then suddenly I'll find out um, uh, that these people like will tell me things that they wouldn't have otherwise said and I end up feeling like I'm sometimes a bit of a, like an information node or where yeah. I just uh, I can find out okay this business is uh, uh, going to be closing the shop and I know someone else who's interested in a shop opening and yeah. just make those connections so I th you're rewiring almost a system to try and make it work better <laughs> what, I, what, what I do find as well is that if you're just out in the community going to businesses, restaurants, cafes, pubs, and just um, getting to know the landlords, and uh, I've got a few uh, locals I really enjoy going to, and you just catch up with them and see yeah. how it's going. Um, and you can do that in very, uh, 
it's enjoyable way because uh, well you're very good at uh, sort of I, I said the intro about being man of man about town of of uh, that's a man of the people but I mean without sort of not in a flippant way but you know being just with the people is actually sometimes as we said like the subtle listening rather than the structured listening of like this is a clinic for you to tell me your issues yeah actually just listen like this sort of passive listening of being around often and and this is for us all as humans it's it sometimes it's that i i mean you know i've been doing the market for a year and a half in margate and so that has been sort of secretly just you, passively listening you'll and, find out so and, much about yeah margate it's the best way markets, yeah. yeah it's well it's like i suppose it's the whole idea of like what is it you're trying to achieve and if it is to either get to know people understand the issues work out what's needed going around with questionnaires or being very sort of more structured or aggressive about how you try and do that's one way yeah. but actually just that sort of like passive listening can be really useful i just is there a moment for you in the past now knowing the impact of the fuck it button and what it can achieve and what it feels like is there any time in your past that you wish you had that it might have like that sliding doors that you kind of ref not in regret but like reflecting think that's a moment that could have been very different if I'd pressed my fuck it button. Yeah, I think um, I was I was close to doing architecture as a degree, yeah. um, but I didn't. I wasn't really interested in houses. It sounds a bit weird, <laughs> but uh, I love like. Did you uh, like buildings? I like designing, making, and thinking about problems and find looking at looking at the market, I guess, and yeah. finding solutions out there and uh, coming up with uh, ideas. So. I the teacher said, "Oh, you'd be great at architecture." My parents said, "Oh, you should go into business. You've just won this business award at school." Um, and uh, I went. I chose business because I thought, you know, it's pragmatic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll go and see what the world is like with the business degree. Yeah, thinking, oh, I, I had no idea what what it would lead to, and uh, yeah. And I didn't really enjoy the degree. Uh, I I got through it. I made some great friends. Had some great times, but uh, and it was it was good for the CV. But um, I would I know I would have enjoyed architecture more just because uh, I think it's more tangible. Yeah. Um, and uh, the theory of demand and supply wasn't yeah. exciting to me as uh, this is how a bridge is kept up by uh, uh, these struts. And yeah. uh, sort of engineering side of architectural, yeah. Thing. So, I, I think part of me that was a moment where I had parental pressure, yeah. um, and to decide who I was. And I feel probably, I mean, that's back, quite a thing, isn't it? Like, right now, decide who you are. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I'm definitely, I think, um, some of my family have like looked at my political career choices and gone. Uh, I mean, university listen, educated uh, yeah. pathway where you just go right. Uh, I'm going to jump um, uh, in the deep end. Into but this goes back to intention, though, doesn't it? Because if you just start out thinking, right, I'm going to be the prime minister, I'm going to be an MP, I'm going to be whatever it is within a political career that that one would look to. If that is just your end goal, is it the right intention rather than? What we've talked about and what I get from you is this idea of wanting to help people problem solve. That's the purpose. And it and 
I might be wrong. So this is sort of an ambiguous question, I guess. But the idea of being, say, an MP or a prime minister or something in a, like a larger role of impact would be a way to do more problem solving, more giving a shit, more driving change. And it just happens that's the job rather than I want that job and I'll do what's needed along a path to get there. So the intention. So it feels like your intention, especially after the events, you know, with your cousin yeah. and that, that that idea of trying to drive change and problem solve is greater than the end result as being in a position. And that's why you maybe haven't done a traditional course, because it's not been necessarily because if you as you say, if you were going for that, there's a path to know you'll get there. Yeah. But if your purpose is the thing and that's the useful role for it, that's slightly different, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, the the intention, my own intentions, I haven't analysed this greatly, but I've, I think the... Now uh, you must. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the lemmy on the podcast is so making you question it. Going, going back to the start of this, like I do get enjoyment out of solving problems and uh, residence kind of uh, issues. I I enjoy um, sticking up to the big corporations, whether yeah. that's Southern Water or uh, Freshwater, who manage a lot of properties in in, uh, in and around Margate, and um, making my stand. Um, yeah. And um, the the not only and I understand the council mechanisms and the engineering within that and the pathways and the funding structures. Um, I'm, but I'm fascinated uh, uh, by the uh, the parliamentary ones because that's where you can create such large change. Yeah. Looking at all the achievements of uh, the new Labour government, and uh, we mentioned waiting list targets and um, the building of schools and just the minimum wage and just being able to say, actually, that's our structure now, but. Um, let's have a look at new structure. You could look at universal basic income and say, actually, instead of dealing with house, uh, homelessness um, by finding accommodation, let's just provide money to those individuals and they can find the houses that they want to live in with mm. that money. And that's been tested in Amsterdam and proved um, uh, in that in that test to be cheaper than uh, having a whole structure. To and then there's a level of that. empowerment because people feel like they're not a charity case and they're actually empowered to be involved in their own destiny and their own choices, aren't they? So 100%, that's, yeah. It's, there's that side as well. I mean, I guess sort of rolling on to thinking about your fuck it button, is, is there a future fuck it button than you hope for? And I guess sort of slightly thinking that whether any of any of these things are incorporated in that or not, but is there is there a moment, is there a moment for you in the future that you hope you can press your fuck it button, you kind of would like to be able to, if you have the right circumstance, energy, <laughs> empowerment, and all of the things. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, there's one uh, that actually started uh, two days, well, it started a lot longer before this, but two days ago, the, um, the Labour MP um, application process kicked off okay. in, in uh, South Thanet. And uh, that there's there's great candidates. Um, I just I'm I'm just like 
uh, well, in the name of this podcast, fuck it, I was like, you know what, I'm going to put my name in the, in the hat yeah, and uh, see what the members think. Ultimately, if I keep my head up high, run yeah. my the campaign how I want to do it, at the end of it, uh, regardless of the outcome, I'll have run my own campaign and I'll uh, hopefully, this is this is what I find interesting, hopefully during the campaign I can solve problems. Yeah. So I'm not just talking. So you're not, so again, this is talking again about intention and process versus goal, that actually the journey can be the change as well as the end result, can't it? I mean, that's 100%. a really big lesson for everyone to and you know, remind themselves of. And it's really messed up in a way because there are some of these problems that I'm, I might say to myself, well, actually, I'll solve them a week after than I could have done it earlier as the, that will fit the time scale right. of this. Yeah. But being aware about that um, and seeing that as, as the honest approach it is, um, I don't... And as long as, well, for some of these, it involves, like, council... Uh, council committee meetings and as long as those timescales aren't delayed then I'm perfectly okay um, uh, with that but there is it's it's ex incredibly uh, like tr taking that next step is is exciting scary. terrifying scary yeah. overwhelming um, but going back to what we we're saying about communication by talking to people um, I'm speaking to the other candidates and we're just discussing things and being open and honest and trying to uh, um, you kind of reframe it um, in your head and say, actually, this is just a process that's going on. And um, it's not the number of votes that people give you isn't connected with your own sense of well-being. It shouldn't be. It should just it's be... It's not like Instagram likes or, well, or follows. Does it feel like that? Well... Like, I mean, it's, you know, I suppose when it comes down to it, all of these things that we look to are external validation, aren't they? And it's, I guess, within that role, the validation comes in the form of a physical vote to you. Yeah. But I guess in people's lives, if that, for example, I mean, maybe I'm being slightly flippant in saying it, but it's it's that idea, isn't it, of getting... You need the outside to say you're okay to do what you want to do and have the power to do. You're reliant externally for things to go down a certain path, aren't you? Within I'm, within that job you are. It's I found it a very uh, strange situation because I'm approaching people saying, um, can you tell me why I shouldn't run to be MP? And that's the way <laughs> yeah. my mindset's working. And yeah. everyone's saying, no, you should go for it. And I'm like, okay, okay. But I'm like, but, is, but, but MP seems like such a massive... Uh, groundbreaking uh, But I think position. a different approach yeah. is interesting. I've had people from a sort of, as a small business mentor perspective, and actually this was more engaging within a business that I use the service. Um, and one of those people said to me, can you tell me why I'm good? <laughs> or something like, <laughs> why you come to my class, why yeah. I'm good? And I said, well, I can, but you've kind of got my back up by asking me that question. What I would have loved you to have asked me is what value you can give to me and what, what you could do to make my experience better and how could you improve what you're doing to meet my needs as your end user rather than how I can validate you to make you feel okay. But really your role is about my 
my satisfaction, really, or should be, I would have thought. And so I, I kind of, from a business mentor perspective, just said, how about you um, speak to your clients and ask them what more you could do for them and you're giving them something. Yep. Then you can ask them a question because I'm not feeling like your intentions are wrong and you're just trying to gain out of this that you're actually trying to give me something. And I think it's just sometimes, and I'm sure especially in politics, that reframing of it, that it doesn't feel take, take, take. That actually we validate ourselves, but based on meeting the needs of those people we're trying to actually help in the first place, in theory. Yeah. Now, not for everyone that's the intention, but it's... It's interesting. I mean, it's, we could uh, we could definitely talk for like hours on all of these topics, I think. But it's um, how just, for you, Rob, and we've talked about it from a personal perspective and, and professional. What does the fuck it button feel like? And and for the next guest, why why would you suggest that they press their fuck it button and sort of the impact it can have or, or what it can feel like? So the, the, the fuck it button for me feels like a moment in time where time literally stops and it, it can be over a number of days, it can be over a few hours, it could be minutes um, where your journey to that moment has led you to a point where um, something has to be a decision has to be taken and the decision yeah. could be ignore it and just continue or do something active sometimes ignoring it can be the decision um, and you let bad behaviour go un, uh, unconfronted but it's it's something that really is a kind of a memory that you're aware of in that moment you're just like oh wow this is something that's kicking off um and I would say to them, look, just look at who you are, look at your values. And I think that's those are really important to me. And say, does does my decision that uh, I'm confronting match those values? Um, and and, and uh, have the empowerment, have the feeling inside you that you are you are valuable, you're worth uh, you're worth huge amounts, and you're powerful. Um, and I feel like that's in society now i feel i feel more and more that empowerment is something that needs to be taught at schools that feeling that they can create change that they can create a student uh, democratic society that actually changes um the way their school functions if there's something wrong and actually challenging that power dynamic in schools and saying actually we as a student body yeah. want this and the same in society um and really go out there um and follow your value values and follow um uh, your head, heart, and your gut instincts um, yeah. uh, to make the decision that that matches who you are. Yeah, great advice. I think it's. Um, I took a lot about values, and I think we don't we don't stop and analyse our own values enough, do we? I mean, or well, people aren't even clear of what they are. And I guess if you're not clear of your own values, then which follows your own boundaries, and that's when you. I guess a lot of the problems you see, we see in life is when people feel like they don't have any control over their own destiny and they don't feel like they're having any impact on their own life. And that idea of understanding your own values and taking back that internal power 
then gives you some confidence to have an impact on the external factors, doesn't it? And it's like a really good, you know, it's great advice. And I think it's a really good place to start for anyone out there that is feeling like they are suffocating or they are in a position where their hands are tied figuratively and they can't press their fuck it button. Start with understanding what your values are and, and your worth is a really good place. And it's a, it's a challenging one. Like I yeah. only recently learned about values when I had a mentor. I was fortunate, really fortunate to have a mentor. And uh, yeah. um, he was saying to me, um, in very senior levels in business, value is incredibly important because yeah. um, they don't want to know about what you've done. They want, well, they do, but that's just part of it. The yeah. next part is, right, are you an honest individual? Are you transparent? Yeah. Well, it's the predictors for success um, are quite different than they used to be. I've been doing quite a bit of work for this work at the university and the predictors of success used to be IQ. And now yeah. it's much more EQ, like emotional intelligence and CQ, curiosity intelligence. And then it's the other one is C1Q, which is cultural intelligence. Okay. And and that's actually the really big predictors for biz, big, big business success. Yeah, well, I think the world is changing and the paradigm of individuals and business and uh, values is changing. And especially just to add to that is um, team, team working. Yeah. Um, uh, what some uh, business papers are sharing, actually, that you want to transfer successful teams yeah. um, in, so rather than saying Elon Musk is the greatest, yeah, yeah. you say actually someone within Elon Musk's team, uh, he's a great leader, but he's got all these people around him and they work well together as a unit. It's almost like brand culture, isn't it? It's yeah. the culture that then thrives within, you know, within that business that in, enables and empowers all of it. Google's an interesting one because I do work with this kind of with the fuck it button, really. But okay. like that understanding of decision making, but also you know, that values. And it's when you create small ecosystems within a business that can have, I mean, the pandemic proved that a lot of big businesses couldn't make any change or any decisions because the hierarchy is so steeped and yep. sturdy. Whereas someone like Google that's got smaller ecosystems where people can make decision, it meant they could react much quicker. And it's that idea of smaller levels within teams at school or in business or in community or that when people feel empowered, guess that's the brexit thing isn't it it's when people feel empowered they feel like they're having some level of control on their life um well thank you so much rob i think it's like we literally feel like we could go on for much longer um and I, there's so much in that and so much food for thought and i think you know i'm sure there's probably a chance for us to come back again on this and i think the men's mental health thing's a massive topic yep identifying the idea of um, understanding your own worth, your own values, um, and and realising that the fuck it button doesn't have to be this massive change your job, but even fuck it, I'm worth it. Fuck it, I'm valued and, and like, is enough to make changes. Exactly, and it's, it's an empowerment button as well. Yeah. It's saying it is I button. have the power internally to make a radical decision. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I first when I first thought about the fuck it button, I was like, actually, I love it because it's about empowerment. It's about yeah. saying I've got uh, in myself the ability to make a, a, a decision, and it probably it could well be a radical decision that could uh, affect the future. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rob. More than welcome. <laughs> Lovely chat.
Thanks for listening. We hope that some of what you've heard today has inspired you to live in the present. Focus on the joy and know that you've only got one life. So fuck it. Press your fuck it button and join the revolution. Thank you.